bitch. You need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the bitchiest podcast in all of the land. Bitch, you need to hear this. And it's your bitchiest host, KDP. And we are rolling with season two. Welcome to the second episode of season two of Bitch, You Need to Hear This. And as I kind of explained to you guys last week, every other week is going to look a little bit different. So this week we are ha- we have a guest on the podcast and every other episode will have a guest So this week, I have Alicia on the podcast, a codependency and self-worth coach. Alicia's job is helping women set healthy boundaries, stop people-pleasing, speaking their truth, recovering their worth, healing from their traumas, and so much more. And I consider Alicia a friend. So hello, Alicia. Welcome to Bitch, You Need to Hear This. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited too. So Alicia and I met um, through some mutual coaching opportunities that we both have been a part of. And she's all the way out in Washington and I live in Detroit. So we are like virtual friends and it is so fun to be able to collaborate and for you to share your story today. I'm really excited and appreciative that you are going to share such a personal story to you. Yes. Um, thank you again for having me. It's so great to like really connect and be able to find women, right. Who can support each other and just even worlds apart on the other side of the country, wherever it is, right. Like we just form these alliances and connect with each other and it's so beautiful. I know. Yeah. I die for it. And I am just so excited to have been, through this podcast, through the coaching I've done, through just all these like random experiences and activities that I've been in the last couple of years to be able to network and connect, like you said, with women like you that have somewhat similar stories to what I've gone through and yeah. be able to relate to one another. And we're just real everyday people that like are going through life and experiencing these things. And, and just not enough of us are using a platform to share about it. And that's what season two is all about is just being authentic to who you are and sharing your truth. And mm-hmm. that's really what bitching to hear this was why it was created. But I think it has kind of become its like own entity. And I just am so inspired by women that are willing to share things that are very vulnerable to them. So thank you for being here and kicking off our first guest episode of season two. Yes. Thank you. I'm so excited. And yeah, like the more we can just normalize this shit and like normalizing that like we're we all go through it or a lot of us do. And the more we can just like shine a light, I always say shame can only grow in the dark. When you shine a light on shame, it can't grow. And so let's shine a light on more and more and more of this stuff, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we dive in to your story, I introduced you as a codependency coach. Can you define codependency for the listenership? Yes. So 
starting off, I just want to say like codependency is such a nuanced thing. And there are like, if you Google it, there are like a million definitions, I swear. Um, But the one that I find to be the most true for myself and a lot of my clients is sacrificing oneself in order to care for another. So that's what codependency is. It really is like sacrificing your own authenticity, your own needs, um, even like your truth in order to take care of people, please um, facilitate someone else over yourself. Thank you. That is a strong definition. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is, you guys. Um, and you are the expert. So <laughs> perfect. So Alicia was inspired to become a codependency coach because of her own experiences with codependency. So um, Alicia is willing, has been willing graciously to come on here and take one for the team and explain her own experience with codependency and what that looked like for you and just that journey of going through that. So I am going to give you the floor, start from wherever the beginning is um, for you and tell us what was your journey of being a codependent? Yeah. So, I mean, I Honestly, it could, we could start, we could start at conception. (laughs) I'm yeah, same, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, no, but I would say for me, a lot of it was growing up in an environment where, um, my dad's an alcoholic and my mom is highly codependent. She, they both really perpetuated things that they were used to in their childhoods. Um, and my, my grandma on my mom's side, she is an alcoholic as well. So my mom really learned codependency as a kid and didn't, she had kids at a really young age. So didn't really have time to do this work that I've been so lucky to do in my life um, and to really address it. So codependency kind of started for me, like the age I really remember it being like the norm was probably about seven. Um, I really learned like to put my parents' comfort and needs over my own really young. And I'm the youngest of three girls. So um, being the baby, I was so in tune with my parents and so involved with them in such a way that um, my codependency really started there with them. And it really was like, this thing that I didn't have an awareness to until I was probably about 11, maybe a little bit younger. Um, I started going to therapy like maybe a year or two before that. And it really was because my dad's alcoholism was at a really bad point and my mom didn't know what to do. She was like, how do I help these kids? Everyone is falling apart. Um, and being a really emotional person, I was always like trying to fix it. I like my parents would be fighting and I would insert myself in the middle of a fight and be like, we have to stop dad. You have to stop drinking mom. You can't, you know, I would start mediating at like nine, 10 years old. Um, and really just trying to solve this problem and fix it for everybody when ultimately like it wasn't my job to fix it. Right. And so my therapist had said to me, like mentioned being a kid of an alcoholic, um, 
Al-Anon and kind of like, oh, you know, do you know what codependency is? And I was like, no, what is codependency? And when I started to read books about it and when I started to read about like parent and child codependency dynamics, I was like, oh, this is us. Like we, there's no boundaries. There's um, a lot of emotional caretaking of particularly one person's um, like feelings, right? And a lot of self-sacrifice. There's a lot of like sacrificing of my needs, my authenticity, my, you know, not wanting to upset the adults um, just because you want everything to be okay. So I really learned it at a young age. And I would say through my teens, I was like, eh, like, I'm fine. I thought everything was so good, like, was not an issue. I had a pretty, like, normal high school boyfriend relationship that, um, you know, it was great. It was very puppy love. We really loved each other. We were best friends. Um, and I had no, like, it was a very safe relationship. So I had no, like, awareness that, like, maybe that I was being codependent in it. Um, and then everything really, when I moved out of my parents' house and was on my own, I was living in Los Angeles. I went to acting school actually down in Los Angeles. That's when things really started to come into my awareness that like, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. And there is a lot of ways I show up in relationships or things that happen that I don't understand, but I was like really on this sort of this path of like really not valuing myself sacrifice. Like, honestly, I was sacrificing authenticity all the time, whether it was like, you know, I'm dating a guy I like, and he's like, Oh, I don't want a relationship. I just want to hook up. And I'd be like, yeah, that's totally cool. And then be losing my mind every night like Alicia knows this is the story of my life so I'm laughing (laughs) oh my gosh well girl same like this is oh whatever you want (laughs) right like whatever is good with you I'm good with right like so that was totally a pattern and I was feeling so empty and so like you know I really started numbing a lot with like drinking and i and drugs and just like marijuana and more yeah and more (laughs) safe (laughs) yeah exactly no exactly I I I seriously couldn't function without smoking weed like because I was so stressed and tense and when I was high I was like oh I don't care about any of this so I'm like I'm chilling I'm the cool girl right Mm -hmm. um and codependent equals cool girl that's like how I, I used to, I mean, codependent behaviors equal cool girl behaviors. That's right. how I used to like, that's how I used to associate them before I knew I yeah. was codependent also. We'll get to that later. Totally. <laughs> no, totally. I I love that. I actually, I'm going to steal that because it is, it's like, oh, I'm being the cool girl. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going with the flow. Like mm-hmm. I'm just rolling with it, even though it's like against my authenticity. It's against yeah. what's like right for me. Yeah. And so- yeah. So basically that all happened and I was really not okay. I actually had a little bit of a mental breakdown, um, in Los Angeles on the, um, Santa Monica and La Brea target. I was in the, <laughs> I've I was been there. in the target. Yes. Right. The, 
the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and La Brea Avenue have <laughs> um, a Target and an Ulta there. And yes, I know exactly I, where that is. I had been crying for about like a week straight. My roommates all had boyfriends. And so I was alone a lot. And all of the discomfort and all of the, all of it was just crashing in. And I was in a codependent friendship actually, that was incredibly toxic and, and um, really like mentally abusive on both parts. You know, I think a big part of codependency that we have to normalize is that like the codependent person is also emotionally manipulative in a lot of ways without realizing it. Right. Yep. And s- yes. So I was doing that. I was, mm-hmm. I was fully like emotionally manipulating, but I ended up, um, it was a self-care. The whole idea was like, oh, self-care. I'll go to like Target and Ulta, like buy a face mask. And I had a panic attack so bad. I was like, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't breathe. Um, And I was probably 21 or 22 at the time. And I think I must've been 21. Um, And my, my mom, I called my mom and she was like, go home. Like, we are going to get you some help. And that's when I started going to therapy. Um, and uh, again, cause I had stopped for quite a few years, just mm-hmm. thinking all is good, you know, I'm okay. And, um, that's when I really started to dig into the work of like, Oh, I'm a codependent person. And I, I, I had a lot of trauma to work through and to heal. And while all of this was happening, I, had met someone that I worked with um, at Starbucks. I, I worked at Starbucks through acting school. And um, it was one of those things where the universe had really like put this person in my path in such a way that it felt meant like it felt like, oh, the like stars brought me this person. They brought us together. I want to come back to this. We're going to come back to this. I want you're going to tell your story, but we're going to come back to this feeling of the stars aligning when you meet your codependent partner. (laughs) Yes. No, definitely. Because it's is so so true. Important. It's It's so so important to acknowledge that this is a feeling shared amongst many, if not all, codependents. Yes. Um, So anyway. He was put in your path in such a way. What did that feel like? Bring us there. Describe what this was like for you. Give me like the deets. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, like he is my person. But being me at the time, I was like, no, like I don't even like him. And everybody, every single one of my friends was like, uh, okay. Like, yeah, you don't like him. I was obsessed with him. Like every word out of my mouth was his name. Um, like he just was on my mind and my heart all the time and he of course was so unavailable so emotionally unavailable and like frequently in retrospect told me who he was um I chose to paint red flags green I chose to not believe him and take his word right um and over the next like year we were just friends but we grew closer and closer and like at work, it was like, oh, when we worked together, we were talking nonstop and we connected a lot and like shared, you know, books and 
music and he like introduced me to all of these things that I like that spoke to my soul right so he really like knew me um in a lot of ways and what ended up happening is I was like sure he was my person and he he gave me the signs like you know it was like green lights and we went away actually our friends got engaged so we went away to the mountains and that like on that trip they were like oh sing us a song because of course he like plays guitar he's an artsy boy um and he was like oh you know like making jokes like oh all this is a song about the fine line between like love and hate and like looked at me and it was like super jokey and like whatever and like there was definitely like chemistry there. Mm-hmm. And so I totally fell in love with him in this moment. I was like, oh my God, he's my person. So that was on like a Saturday. And so then the next time we see each other, we come back to LA, like the next time we see each other, he is like, oh, I'm in love again. And I was like, with me, like what? And he was like, no, I met this girl and he had a full other girlfriend. So wait, okay. You were like seeing this guy. How long had you known him at this point? So we were just friends. You were okay. Point. So you weren't like dating yet. You were no. friends that you were coworkers slash friends that y- you the- had a big crush on him. Yes. Okay. And this is the most like codependent part of this story is like, I'm not joking you. This went on for five years of, of him being like, no. And and it gets, it gets great. Um, I'm here so, for it. <laughs> so he, right. I'm, I'm heartbroken. I'm crushed. But like you're friends, but you went on a trip together, the two of you for a wedding. Well, for, for like our, all of our friends. But you got, but like, okay. But you guys, it wasn't, no, exactly. I just sounds like you were like a couple. Like I literally was thrown off. I guess I just was like listening to this. I'm like, oh, so then he became your boyfriend. <laughs> and that's not what happened. No. Okay. But like, see, that's the that's the kicker, right? Is like we were fully relationship, right? Like we were. We were yeah, like it sounds like we, it. We did everything like we were in a relationship. We were emotionally like in love. But were you when physical? I would be like, no, when I would okay. be like, I really like you, he'd be like, oh, we can never be together. Like, and, or he'd say, I don't like you because X, Y, and Z, right? I have so, one of those too. <laughs> right. So or he had, just, had in the past. <laughs> girl, we're past that. Exactly. Past that. Had. <laughs> right. So long story short, like, I'm like, I need to get out of LA because I was not doing well still like emotionally. And I was like, I need to get out of LA. I'm going to move home. And my roommate had decided my best friend and my roommate, she had decided that she was going to go back to college in Colorado. So I was like, okay, like this is the perfect time for me to go home and, and just reset, right. Come back to Washington and reset. And he was also like, oh yeah, I'm going to move back to white. Oh, Wyoming. I think that's okay if I say that. Yeah. He's going to move back to Wyoming. Wait, there's a like, lot of people-ish in Wyoming. It's fine. We don't know who he right. is. Know. It's fine. anonymous enough. All like six people that live in Wyoming. Just kidding. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people no, live there, in Wyoming. There are, there, there's a few people there. More than six, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Like 60. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> but... So he was going to move and something fell through in his move and 
naturally the codependent rescuer in me was like, he had, he had given up his lease. He had sold his car. Like he was fully set to move and then something fell through. So he was homeless in LA. So he ends up sleeping on my floor for the next three months until like he's right. So he's like living in my apartment with me, my roommates, right? He's like now a part of my life. We do everything together. And nothing happened yet for three months. Nothing happened for another three years, girl. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. So I'm so confused. (laughs) Just wait. So this is three out of the five years of being with him or as in a relationship with him in some respect. So I met him when I was 21 and we, he ends up long story short, ends up moving back to Washington with me. Um, He wasn't supposed to, he was going to stay in California, but he ends up, I'm like, Oh, you know, like, why don't you just come live with me? Like we missed each other every day. Like when I, cause I was up here for about a month and a half, maybe two months before he made the move up here. And he sends me this long text about like, I want you to be my purpose, like blah, blah, blah. And I really was so in love with him. Um, But there were like a lot of red flags, you know, he would say things like, don't talk to me on the days that you go to therapy because you're impossible to deal with. Um, He was like super mean to me in the time that we lived together in LA um, about just like my growth or things I was struggling with. And in retrospect, I learned that it was like emotional manipulation, right? To like, I I stopped going to therapy because he asked me, he literally was like, I just think you need to stop going to therapy. And so eventually I did stop going because I was like, oh, I just want this person to like, I don't want there to be conflict. I want this person to love me and to like me. Mm-hmm. And we were basically like in a relationship. It was very confusing for all parties involved, myself included. Um, my parents were always like, what is going on? Like you're in a relationship with this guy. And I was like, no, like, and he would be like, absolutely not. I'd never be with her. Um, And so this goes on for several years and three years. It goes on for four Four years, years. four years, four years of you being basically in love with this guy, having him move states to be with you, living with you, traveling with you. And he refuses to be in a relationship with you or even like anything any call like that is this sis you are like the queen of a situationship (laughs) oh I know I like I feel like I could write the book on situationships because it really was that and like years I would sacrifice so much to just like maybe get him to change his mind like maybe we'll be in a relationship one day so sometimes that was like not speaking my truth um really like sacrificing like my emotional well-being I mean stopping going to therapy to like meet someone's needs like Mm -hmm. to to make them comfortable Mm -hmm. um that like it was fully codependent and we could not really be without each other he even had a relationship end um because she was like he was kind of dating this person and him and I got in a huge fight about it because like I really was like what is going on like I don't get you because it's like we are like together but we're not together so like what is it and you know we have this like huge discussion that's super emotional and she at the end of it is like you need to choose between her and me and he was like I'm always gonna choose her 
for the rest of my life, I'll choose her. And I literally was like, so then why aren't we together? Right? Like, I totally was like strung along in this like, unavailable mess. And so fast forward, what childhood trauma does this man have? <laughs> That's how much time do you have? <laughs> How much time do you have? I know. It was terrible. Um, I honestly, like, I say it's terrible, but I learned so much and it put me, like, where I am today. So it's like, you know what? Thank you to him because... We have gratitude to our biggest teachers. We do. We have gratitude to our biggest teachers. Um, And really, like, the biggest lesson came in the last three months of us living together because this whole time we lived together, right? Like after he moved in with me in LA, we lived together every moment after that. Um, and so I start fast forward. I start having my little quarter life crisis where I'm like, what am I doing? I want to help women. I'm going back to therapy. I'm talking to my therapist about like, what's next for me. It was kind of during COVID. So Mm -hmm. I also lost my grandpa in that time. He, Mm -hmm. um, passed away and did hospice like in my house. So I was going through this big life event and my, this man, my person was with me through that. I don't yeah. know. We Not call your him... boyfriend, but no, this, this guy, <laughs> yeah, this, this guy, um, your bestie over here. <laughs> yeah. He's here for it. He was your roommate. It. Like, right. He was literally part of my family too. Yeah. So it was crazy. Um, so I decide after consulting really my teachers, some of my my mentors who brought me through a lot of this work and through healing codependency and healing my relationship with my parents and all of that, um, they were like, I mean, they had said it many times before, but the the consensus really was he's gotta go, right? He is you're you're one somebody said to me once, it's not your plight in life to take care of other people it's your plight in life to take care of you and that really was like my mantra for the next few months because um I was getting ready to leave him I was like Mm -hmm. okay I'm gonna do something for myself and he was kind of gonna go his own way too right and so I've made this decision inside myself that it's time to invest in me and it was uncomfortable and it was really hard and I was like fully ready and um we like went on a family trip he came because he was part of my family and um we're sitting underneath the stars and the moon and I looked at the moon and I said and this is like you know brings in other pieces of like the work that I do and myself but I looked at the moon and I said I don't know why we can't be together but I accept it and I really just gave it to the universe. I mm-hmm. said, I, I was fully, and I fully felt an acceptance in that moment. Mm-hmm. And my guides, uh, the universe loves to play. So he grabbed my hand and kissed me for the first time in that moment. Oh, yeah. Or he likes to play. <laughs> he's right. like, he's like, oh, she's like, she's going to really like leave me. So I'm going to pull out the one, the, the I'm going to pull out the final trick that I've been holding in the, my back pocket for four fucking years. I'm I'm gonna pull it out now because this it's a do or die moment. And he played you like a damn fiddle, didn't he? Oh, he sure <laughs> did. Like you know, 
and it was that he likes you're right they can smell like oh I mean they smell when we're leaving yeah oh trust me (laughs) yes (laughs) they They smell it oh yeah and so he could smell she's gone I don't have this like emotional support animal yeah like literally made that joke one time I was like I've been an emotional support animal before so I can and my my mom literally laughed so hard when I said that because I was like no I'm serious like that's what it feels like like you're just there to emotionally support someone um and like and at the cost of your well-being, right? Like sacrificing yeah. your well-being. And so I I really one more time had to sacrifice my well-being um, because my gut, I have like a really strong intuition and sense and my gut was like screaming no. But I was like, but you've waited so long for this. Like mm. he, he just, he just said it. And he was like, you know, like, I'm working toward, he said something like, I'm working toward like being in a relationship with you. And so, right. After I'm like, girl, if you don't know after four years, like go ahead and get gone. Like, right. But in that moment I was like, no, you know, sacrifice yourself a little bit longer because like this could, this could be something. Right. So pause. I did it. Pause for a moment. I am just trying to like make sense of this and I, maybe I shouldn't bother because this man clearly doesn't make sense, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. So he, okay. So he dated other people in this four years that you were friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, at one end, this man seems to be the most emotionally avoidant human that I've ever heard of in my life. But then he was like dating other people. So like, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't, I don't get it. Like, what was he doing? What was he doing with these other girls? Like, it was very, it was very surface level. And like, that's really what I learned in my healing time and like, and working with my coach um, and working through this and therapy was he I knew him. I knew him. I knew every part of him. I knew the ugly parts. I knew that I really did. And he knew me um, and honestly brought out an uglier version of me mm-hmm. that wasn't a reflection of my heart um, in a lot of ways. But those relationships were so surface level. And if once he couldn't control the narrative anymore, he discard. I watched him discard several women. How long you know? would these like relationships last? Oh, no more than the no more than I'm like saying a month is like my okay okay so he's he's still like the king of emotionally avoidant okay yeah and like once they once they kind of like would either smell it on him or like see like oh this person's not available like he fully would discard um them as well and so interesting yeah, so, like, and, so and I'm, writing, it was also it was also like a tactic to keep you at a distance and an arm's length as well, too. Like it was kind of like a, I mean, like to be like to, for you for him to be like, yeah, and you can't get any closer because I'm dating other people. See, like I like other people. See, but it really mm-hmm. was all just manipulation techniques to be to remain avoided. For sure, and and I think also like whenever he would break up with these people or whatever, like in the years that this went on, like he always had, like he would control the 
narrative a lot. And I'm sure that I would, I've never talked to any of these women, but I'm sure that they maybe had a very different perspective as to why things ended. Right. So, right. right. And even, even like, I know in my heart of hearts, his perspective on why our relationship ended is probably drastically like different than my truth. And, you know, so we actually only ended up like being physically intimate, like emotionally, like trying to date for about like two months, three months. And, and, and so, okay. So wait, let's, so I, I took us out bring us back so you're sitting under the stars it's super romantic he takes your hand and he kisses you so like that's when you guys started to like pursue a intimate relationship yeah that's when we like took it to the next level. level and and I will say like my body knew like there was so much fear and I didn't I actually I'm a visual person and I would visually like when we would have conversations and I would feel the need to like speak my truth, I would visualize myself laying brick and mortar around me, like literally building walls around myself. Mm -hmm. And when I like would share that with people that healers that I worked with, they were like, Oh baby, like, you know, like you were literally building walls to protect yourself and like still like, but I'm going to stay in this because I think another piece of codependency that a lot of people don't understand um, or maybe is like overlooked is the loyalty that we feel like loyalty is praised as like this great quality. Like, Oh, you're so loyal. Like you've been together for 40 years and it's like, yeah, I've been with my alcoholic partner who is mentally abusive for 40 years. I'm loyal because I'm loyal to this relationship. And that's just like an example, but no, it's, I used to say too, like, and I still say this, it's a good point is that because my, and I'll talk about this once in a, in a little bit, but my 10 year relationship was very heavily codependent. Um, we were codependent on one another and I have said for the last two years, I am like loyal. I think I'm loyal to a fault. Like, mm-hmm. I, and that really is a big part of codependency that people don't talk about because loyalty is a really positive trait, like you said. But when you are so loyal that you pe- you betray your own self, that is not a good thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's not. Yeah. And, and I think that like, that's the balance between like, a lot of people think like something that comes up a lot in my work is like, well, especially like when I make TikTok videos or on Instagram is like, oh, like you're encouraging people to be selfish. And it's like, no, there's a big difference between being like in a mutually exchanging relationship, being in something where you're emotionally safe and you want to give and, and feeling like you have to give and you can't do anything other than sacrifice yourself there's a massive difference and my ex used to say if I had any expectations for him it was I did it was it showed that I did not love him unconditionally I don't (laughs) you're like babe (laughs) it is so hard because you know and I also have kind of been toying with I was um listening to some of my favorite women talk on another podcast um about unconditional love and the discussion was around like is there should there be unconditional love in adult relationships at the beginning of them or even like years into them and 
Like, I, no. you know, I'm still exploring is, this. I, no. I have done a lot of self-reflection. I'm just, I think for me being a codependent in recovery, the answer is no. Yeah. I would say same. Like if I fall in love with someone and it's safe and like, you know, I'm at that point where I'm fully in a healthy relationship and love like evolves into being like something more organic. And like, there's a lot of passion there. That's a different story than like, just going all in on, Oh, like I'm, I'm unconditionally in love with this. Like there's a big difference. So for me, like right now, it's definitely a no, like there are conditions and we're like, we're human. We have conditions with everything. We have conditions we have conditions about like, you know, oh, whether it's like physical conditions about someone like, oh, you know, I'm not going to date someone shorter than me or emotional conditions. Like we have freaking conditions. But also, and also in other areas of life outside of dating, we have conditions relationships. And I mean, unless you're a child, I think like there should be unconditional love for children. I think, and, and you should experience it as a child. And, and unfortunately, a lot of us don't. Mm-hmm. And so it creates unhealthy relationship patterns later in life. And that's a whole other thing. But when you talk about consensual adult relationships, it is so inappropriate and manipulative to say, you need to love me unconditionally and I can do whatever I want, regardless of what your boundaries are. That is mm-hmm. not healthy. That Mm-mm. is not healthy. And that's the dynamic that my ex and I got stuck in for literally 10 years. So yeah, yeah, no, it's not healthy. And you're so right. Like really touching on children should experience unconditional love. That's the only place for it really. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, and you should unconditionally love yourself yes. as an adult, you, you give yourself unconditional love. And chilled, and you as a, and you should have received it from other people as a child. Outside of that, in consensual adult relationships, it is not appropriate. And you are recreating and trying to heal childhood wounds if that's what you feel like needs to exist in your adult relationships. So, but yeah, before I we mean, get too far down this rabbit hole, I need yes. you to tell us what happened. <laughs> Yes. How did this end? So, um, you know, I was working with a coach who was like, you know what, you're going to go into this eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. And so, cause I told her, like, I was, I got real, real with her mm-hmm. and I was like, Ooh, I think I want to see this through, even though like the writing was on the wall. Um, and so never I did. even like, but he had never even said, I like am interested in you romantically until then. So I feel like if you had invested four years into it, I think even as your coach, I'd be like, there's no way to like not talk you out of that. Like you're gonna pursue that. You're gonna see it. Oh yeah. She knew, she knew, yeah. she knew like within five seconds of our conversation, yeah. talking about it, she was like, you're going to see this through and yeah. that's okay. And she was like, and you know what, we're going to see what happens. And like stranger things have happened and it might work out. Well, it didn't. Um, (laughs) So so the next few, like the next two months, right? Like essentially, and it wasn't even, I think saying two months is like generous. It was probably like a month and maybe a couple of weeks. It was really just like when he physically wanted me, then there was like time for that. If I tried to have a conversation of like, look, we've been doing this dance for like almost five years. Like, 
shit or get off the pot. Like, you know, you know, if you like me or not. Right. Um, and he would just like skirt around it. No, like conversation didn't want to talk about it. Um, even would be like, Oh, like, this is like the problem with you. And so talked to my coach and I was like, he's really, I was feeling used and I was really feeling like emotionally exploited. And so I was like, I need to do something. I need to either have an adult conversation or like, I need to stop doing this. Cause I, I could feel that I was like, really like, like, you know, when you're so involved in someone else's experience, you lose who you are. Right. Yeah. And so I really, I had lost myself, like all of my thought, all of my energy all day was going toward him. And it was like anxiety, sick to my stomach. Like, mm-hmm. what's he thinking? Does he, you know, what, like, where are we, where do we stand? And so, um, I had a conversation with him and I was like, look, like you either know or you don't know. And he was very forward and just said, like, I'm never going to change. Like, this is what it is. And so I think that was the first time I really got uncomfortable and I'm going to choose me. Mm -hmm. And um, it destroyed my heart. I was so heartbroken and, you know, we still lived together. So we had separate rooms and all of that. And like, we had space. So I really went inward, um, in that time. And he actually was very much like, it was crazy because like, I had this big conversation with him. We like essentially like end things break up. And he, um, then the next morning, like comes in my room is like, do you want to get coffee? I'm like, no, I don't want to fucking get coffee with you. My heart is shattered. And so like when an emo like an um, avoidant person like you finish an argument with them they're notorious for that like just mm-hmm. pretending like it never happened mm-hmm. if they have to see you again or whatever and I just that used to like blow my mind because I my ex and I lived together for years and like that was how it would be too like and his family was like that and I and we were together since we were like 16 so I witnessed like we would get into these like explosive fucked up fights I mean just Mm -hmm. saying like awful things to each other like the meanest thing you could say to someone like the lowest blow like and that's what they would say and it was horrible and then literally like the next day, a couple days later, it was like nothing happened. And they were just like mm-hmm. back to normal. And I remember, because I mean, my family has its own level of dysfunction, but that wasn't our flavor. So like I never, I I used to just, even as a teenager, I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's like disorienting, I guess is the word, but you're just like confused and a little bit gaslit. Cause you're like, well, if I bring this up or if I'm continuing to be upset about it, then what does that say about me? And then the codependent in yourself is like, I too have to minimize this and keep them comfortable and feeling safe. Right. 100%. And that is so like touches on such a, a piece of, I think a lot of codependent relationships. And, and for me, like in this specific relationship, you know, it was also like a secret. It was like a big secret. People didn't know about us at all like and so I totally had to save face mm-hmm. and I didn't want to make him uncomfortable I didn't want to like to you know kind of like shine a light on these things and honestly it was so hard to just like bear that all on my own my family had no idea and we were living with like my family like we were yeah. I live in a tiny town like we were very involved with these people so yeah. 
really just like, you know, it's kind of isolating in a way. And it is like, it's mind blowing when someone really is like, I'm okay. And like, and I know in ways he wasn't okay, but this is how he like gets through discomfort. Right. And so, um, we kind of like did this weird, like we're friends still dance, even though I really was heartbroken, um, Mm -hmm. for a couple weeks. And then I actually found out I was pregnant. And so, um, we had been broken up. I find out that I'm pregnant and I really needed time to process that and like Mm -hmm. really feel out what I wanted to do. And he was very adamant about, um, you know, like basically like, Oh, like at first when I told him, he was like, well, let's have this baby. Like Mm -hmm. we can do this. And I was like, Oh, I need to think, I need to think, I need to think. And after about two weeks of thinking and really like feeling it out, um, I ended up being like on board. I was like, okay, like we're going to have this baby. We're going to do this. And when we like revisited the conversation, he had a completely different tone and was like, I think this is a terrible idea. And, um, really like voice that he didn't want to do this with me. And so being, codependent and not really knowing my truth and not being able at that time I didn't have the tools to really advocate for myself I really just was like whatever you know I was like you're right I'm not gonna do this and so I decided to have an abortion and um that was probably like the most heartbreaking thing of all of it and it took our the ending of our relationship like so much deeper yeah um because you know there was that like I was, I was so angry. I had so much anger. Um, and like throughout that relationship, really, there were a lot of times that situationship, um, where I was so angry, like so angry, like, and seeing literally like having rage fits that I had never had before. Like, that's not who I am. And so when this happened, it like, it really like went so much deeper and I was really like, I was mentally and emotionally just like in a really hurt place and he ended up moving out and um, then moving away after you know all of this wrapped up but it didn't wrap up until like you know a whole like we'd broken up in October and I didn't end up like having an abortion or going through this until December and so like it was very drug out and very prolonged and Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of pieces of just like really learning how I devalued myself and I think that's the biggest lesson in codependency and for myself that's been like a big part of my journey in helping women is like when we have such low and it I it's like, it's hard because I don't want to get into the like um, victim mentality, but it's like, it really is that like low self-worth. Yeah, it is. That's where it comes from. That's where it stems from. Right. Right. You know, like not valuing myself and not, not advocating for myself enough to speak my truth and just say what I wanted to say, say what I needed to say and stand up for for the little girl inside me, for me, like speak for her. And, um, that really became like, that was so like, 
that's the journey, right? And the thank you for sharing that before, like, let's just take a second. Thank you for sharing that. That's super vulnerable. And, you know, I didn't know that about you. So I appreciate that. And, you know, it's funny, like, when I was thinking about when I was telling you the day your episode's going to come out, it's election day. And this, Mm. this election day coming is that we're when you guys are hearing this, it will be election day. And like a lot of you are going to have the opportunity to vote on this topic and this issue. So it is relevant to what's going on right now. And so I appreciate you bringing this up. And in addition to that, you know, some of you, most of you have listened to my story in like part two, but I just want to remind you guys, because I have a very similar experience to Alicia and that my strung out long codependent relationship ended in me having an abortion mm-hmm. and my and I remember saying like to myself well no I didn't say it to myself I said it to my ex we were driving to the clinic and after we hadn't after I had made the decision to have this abortion and he was driving and he said uh something to the effect of like are you sure like this is what you want to do and I said no, I'm not sure this is what I want to do, but I know that I have to for the for future me. I don't want to, I don't want to do this, but I have got to give future Katie a chance. And if I don't do this, she won't have a chance. And I, that is so fucking true. And Mm. because I was so unsure about it, like you were at the time, Mm-hmm. And I had gone back and forth with the decision. I think there is an extreme amount of grief that you have to work through. Not all women. It's different for everyone. Everyone has a different relationship with their abortion story. Mm-hmm. And, but I think for those of us that weren't 100% sure, there <laughs> there's a lot more grieving and reconciling that needs to be done. And And most of the time you're having an abortion your partner wasn't supportive to begin with <laughs> like emotionally mm-hmm. supportive i mean you know whether yeah. they were supportive of the pregnancy or not you know the, the re- most women if you're getting an elective abortion you know your situation isn't great and right. you know that was the case for you and i and and so i i think with all of that there is this extreme amount of grief and it does make the end of that relationship like you said so much deeper so much Mm -hmm. deeper my ex and I had broken up and gotten back together so many times and I think a big part of what made that last time stick the way that it did was all the trauma and grieving that I had to do around that abortion Mm -hmm. and I think what made him what made has made him stay away as long for no, I mean we're recording this now and and I to, I have yet to hear from Baltimore you guys I don't I don't know where he is I call him Baltimore on my podcast uh, <laughs> so I love it I have yet to hear from him I don't I don't know wh- what he's doing but I think part of that is that he saw um like the depth of pain that he caused me it wasn't just like his avoidant manipulative bullshit anymore it was like oh my god like that she is like traumatized and like that 
is because of me. And I think mm-hmm. anyone that is extremely emotionally avoidant cannot cope with having to see that firsthand mm-hmm. and be confronted with that. And so they run. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened in my case. And so your story ended with him there, but like, did so did he move away? Like, is he still in your community? Like, do you still, okay. No, He's... eventually he, he moved away. Okay. Um, you know, not for a while. Like he was around um, for quite a bit after that. And we worked together. We, so we were very much involved in each other's lives for like another few months. Um, yeah. And I think he really did see like, this like like kind of how I became a little bit of a shell um in that time and I really was doing so much work to heal and and I'm a very spiritual person so Mm -hmm. I think you know I really just gave it to like I gave it to the universe and gave it to my guides and just trusted that like I um there's this woman, she's an abortion coach, actually, life after abortion. Her name is Amanda Kingsley, I believe. And I'm going to write that down. I want to look into that. <laughs> she's amazing. She honestly gave me so much, um, just like gems that I needed to hear in that time. She yeah. does these posts that are like dear babies. And it's about mm-hmm. like, even though, you know, I couldn't, bring you into my life at this time like I still love you and so I started doing a lot of communicating like with my guides with um the universe like with God whatever you call it right like Mm -hmm. in that time about just like I did how yeah you know like that I and I I really asked I actually would go see my grandpa a lot he was and obviously he was dead so he I would go to his grave a lot and just like ask him like just please like let my baby know that I love them and that like when I'm ready to come back to me right and so I did so much work to like really try to just be okay with my decision but I will say like being face to face with this human every day made me a little crazy (laughs) I was very triggered and um eventually he did move away and that was really hard too like it was the crazy oh it's awful when my ex finally moved out like I was a hot ass mess when he was still living with me but then when he finally moved out that is when really like all my suicide stuff started to like kick up and like the real 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 gritty mental health stuff started it really didn't start till after he moved out Yeah. Um, yeah and I had to like and then you're by yourself and you don't have this avoidant person to like kind of blame for like how you're feeling so you're like I'm just like alone with all of this now and like where do I go with it what do I do with it and I think Mm -hmm. like so many people that witness somebody going through a toxic relationship or whatever are it's like it once it's over it's like celebration like like yeehaw and it's like no like intense grieving process that happens when you lose that I don't even know Mm -hmm. what to call it I mean it's a relationship but like when you lose that like that thing to hold on to of like this is why I am the way that I am he makes me this way and so it's like there's nothing making me this way and now I'm just this way and I have no I just don't feel like I'm on the kept to the ground and I used to say that my ex 
like it, I used to like use the analogy that I was like a like a kite and my ex was like holding the, the kite string and keeping me attached to the ground and mm-hmm. what I really came to terms with through therapy and whatever is that he literally like tied my string to an anchor and then walked away mm-hmm. <laughs> there. yeah and he really was never supporting me and he was never yes. supporting keeping me grounded he just kept me stuck no totally same you know I would say like it there was no emotional support and that was one of the things that really like in making my decision on whether or not I would have this baby was was like I talked to so many different women in that time. I sought advice and just like consulting because I, as a codependent person who was not yet doing the work to heal and know how to listen to myself, I had no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. And I felt like other people had to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, none of them told me what to do. They just offered like gems of wisdom. And one of the gems that I got was from my dear one of my most like loved and held dear to my heart mentors. And she is a therapist and she's particularly a family therapist, works with families. And she said to me, she was like, I'm not going to tell you what to do because that's, I can't. But she did say, I am going to tell you as someone who works with families who have narcissistic dads, emotionally unavailable dads, emotionally unavailable parents, whether it's the mom or the dad or people who are just simply like not in it. She was like, it is a very, very hard, heartbreaking journey. And she was like, particularly for the child. And that really just broke my heart because like thinking of having a child with someone, right. Or having a child come into this world and not like having all of the love and support and just two people who are committed to like them being you know healthy and well that was like one of those things where it really did influence my decision because it was like you know I want to do this with someone who wants to do this right like yeah Yeah. that was my I mean that's ultimately how I made my decision too it was just like you are this child (laughs) if I bring this child in the world like they will have an emotionally unavailable parent a traumatic childhood at least for Mm -hmm. half of it like half of them right like Mm -hmm. you know and and I was emotionally unavailable to myself at that point because of that relationship and because of other unhealed things that I had gone through and like I had been in therapy but I was like in a really dark place and I, and I, like I said this in in an episode too, um, like I remember being in the shower, like, and when I like made my decision and I was just talking to my baby and and crying and being like, I'm so sorry, but I can't have you come into the world right now because this is not the right time. And for those of you that are spiritual or, and I am, I do believe that, you know, there are entry points in this world and we're all just energy and souls and our bodies are just vessels and you know there are so if you choose to go through with a pregnancy or you don't like that soul doesn't cease to exist and it never Mm -hmm. was even in that body yet and if and when and you were kind of alluding to this earlier when you were saying that you visited your grandpa is that if and when you are ready to welcome that 
entity, that energy, that soul, that baby will be born. And that is also kind of like the same conversation I had too. And Mm -hmm. I think it did bring me a lot of healing. And I think, you know, there, there is this disconnect between faith and abortion because we just associate it with like pro-life and Christianity and like toxic Christianity, not even Christianity, but people that Mm -hmm. use Christianity as a tool to manipulate people for their own agenda. And it's not, I mean, that you can still have spirituality and faith around making that decision. And Mm -hmm. I think, but I, I don't think it is an uncommon experience of women that struggle with the same type of relationships and experiences that that we had and i i think they do kind of they are very much related to one another and you know i i i don't think there's a right or a wrong decision when it comes to terminating a pregnancy or not but i do think that there was for i will speak for both of us and that i think it took a lot of courage to make the decision that we made and Mm -hmm. give our future selves or our present selves today recording this episode the chance to become these healers and working to be a part of these communities and these platforms to connect with other women that are having similar experiences I wish I had a you or a me in that time um two years ago when I was going through my stuff I wish I knew about an abortion coach because like, you know, I wish I knew about all these things um, yeah. at that time. And that's why I'm so passionate about this platform and mm-hmm. bringing other coaches and other women that are doing the same type of work. And almost all of us get into it because we have had some type of story, some type mm-hmm. of experience that inspired us to do this work and support other people in that Mm -hmm. journey. So tell us about that. Like you're a codependency coach, like what talk about that? What do you do? How can you support women? And like, what's your, what's your offering? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really got into that. I was before all of this happened in this relationship, right? Like before we became intimate, I knew I wanted to be a coach. And and so I was going to school for that. And um, I I went to the Martha Beck uh, Wayfinder, like went through that coaching program just because it really spoke to me as far as like spiritualism and just mm-hmm. kind of like, I, you know, they call it woo, like people who are less woo call it like it's a little woo, but like, woo-hoo. well, very woo. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Like I am the type of person that's like that tree, like is just begging me to touch it. Like, so I, I really, oh, okay. That. So like my mom tells me all the time that she can see auras from plants and has mm-hmm. her whole life. So I was raised by a very like, woohoo. <laughs> so yes. My mom is like very, very into that. And I adore yes. my mom and I, she's like, I've been able to see like lights and auras and energies around plants since I was a kid. I thought everybody could until I was an adult. <laughs> and realized you can't. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that same, you know, like that's definitely, uh, I love that and I relate to it. So I'm very um, sensitive to smells and like, yeah. like I, and we, I talk about that with my mom all the time, but the point is like, whether you believe in this you who hippy dippy stuff or not, I'm on your, I'm on your wavelength. 
And well, thank I, you. <laughs> I'm on the same I know. Page. I love it. Sometimes, honestly, I, I prepare so often. I'm like, I know this is crazy. Ready? <laughs> and then I speak my truth and I'm like, it's okay if this doesn't make sense to you. It, it works for me. Um, yeah, yeah. But so it's okay. I, I, Not I, everyone listening to this makes sense to them. But to me, I'd say to me and a lot of the other women that reach out about the show, like they, they are on, they vibe with the, with this We I, I had a, um, astrologist on last season and I was like, what do you call us? Like, we don't have a religion really. Like we're just like women. And like, what do you call yourself? She's like, I'm an astro ho. i love that same same girl um that's amazing no exactly um but yeah so i i went to school and i was kind of like learning all of this in the thick of my heartbreak and 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 really like wanting to re just like really reinvest in myself and and heal and so i learned coaching i was getting coached i was still going to therapy at the time um and so I was really working through all of this and I knew I wanted to coach, but like when you go through life coach school or when you like are going into coaching, it's like, well, what kind of coach are you going to be? Are you just going to be like a general coach? Are you going to be a business coach? You're going to like, what's it going to be? And for me, I really like sat down and got clear on like, what is my, has been my soul's journey and like, what is my soul's work? And, um, I really found it's codependency and it's like an ancestral pattern for me like this is an age-old story that my soul and my ancestor souls have been playing out for generations and so I really um I really just was like codependency is what speaks to me and the reason it spoke to me is because I know what it's like to feel unworthy in your skin to feel like you you are not inherently worth love and I that makes me so sad and so just wanting to I just want to help women embrace that they are inherently worthy of love and that they deserve and have every right to be comfortable in the skin that they're in not to say that the journey isn't uncomfortable in ways but like there's a difference between going through discomfort for growth and, and experiencing uncomfortable things and literally feeling like you don't have a right to love, like you, nothing good will ever happen to you. Um, and that you have to sacrifice your authenticity, sacrifice yourself, um, you know, put yourself in situations that you don't even want to be in, um, just to be loved and accepted or, mm-hmm or keep the peace, whatever it is. And codependency is so nuanced. So for everybody, it really does show up differently um, and come out differently. And it's been really beautiful to like work with so many different women who are on this journey and are so different from my own situation or other situations I've seen um, and still be able to support them and just help them through that. Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's amazing. And I'm so glad that you're still on this path of becoming a healer despite, you know, life. And and that is the way of it. And I don't think I, I said this to you when we got on here, but I don't think I, we were recording yet. We all get into this because we have gone through something or other. I think I did maybe say it in the beginning, but like, I, I think it's beautiful for you that you can coach women through this experience and also be like, and I was a codependent also and mm-hmm. and slash, slash, I don't know 
Have you ever heard of, um, are you familiar with CODA? C-O-D-A. Codependence no. Anonymous. Okay. So it's like oh. Al-Anon, but for codependence specifically. Yeah. And I, my therapist is the one that told me that this existed and they literally do it like AA. It's basically mm-hmm. like AA or Al-Anon or whatever. Um, yeah. Very similar very, very similar uh, formatting. And I I think, and I bring CODA up because I think for people that maybe are less woohoo than you and I are, like things like that, like things like working with like a coach or going to a group or like seeing that you're not alone, that this is a normal experience really does take the mystery and like the fear out of, um, be figuring out how to recover from being a codependent. Yeah. Have you read the book Codependent No More? Oh, you know, I have. <laughs> I'm like, There's you're the actually- codependency coach. I'm like, come on, you've read this book, right? <laughs> I have. And they're actually, there's this month, the revised version is coming out. So I'm oh, so excited. Okay. Yes. I'm sure my therapist will tell me about it because you guys, like two seconds after I walked into therapy 10 years ago, my therapist was like, so um, you're a codependent. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. So, and when and codependent no more, and even CODA, and some of these more like traditional codependent um, supports and whatever, it really is geared toward individuals that are codependent on with someone that has a substance problem or like it's really, really heavily, there's a high, high correlation to being codependent and being a loved one of someone that is an addict or an alcoholic. Right, totally. I think um, one of the things that I wish we would shine a light on more is addiction isn't always drugs and alcohol it's work it's I mean we are as humans we get addicted to we get addicted to emotional cycles we get addicted to to all sorts of things and so it really that's why I say it's nuanced it really is but that's what I like about that's what I like about what you do and your business is that it, it you even though you're a codependency coach you don't nec- just based on like the you know what I see you posting online and whatever is that you're not most codependent stuff is very very focused on the like addict side of it and for me when my therapist was like you're a codependent and like I got involved with CODA and I got involved and I even read codependent no more it's an amazing book and mm-hmm. I highly recommend it but it, there's a ton about like being like a codependent of someone that is an addict. And I like about what you do is that it's much more broad than that because codependency truly is more broad than being codependent with someone that has a substance problem. Yes. I think that's really important. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And I think that, and I think too, it's something that I know, not to say there's no codependent men out there. Of course there is, but I think it is something more commonly that women experience just because of our like societal norms and expectations and the roles that women often play in relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think for you to have taken this focus on women healing through relationships and setting these boundaries and that approach, I think is going to be something that will is needed and will continue to grow as awareness, you know, is spread. I mean, I, I really like, think some of the people just don't even know what it is like they they're experiencing it but they don't have a name for it 
Right. No, totally. I have one of my clients. She's amazing. She literally is like, I don't resonate with like the codependent thing because I can say no and like this and that. And then as we are unpacking, she's like, that's codependency. I'm codependent. And I'm like, I know it's okay. Like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. so many of us are partaking in codependent behavior and not realizing it for sure. And I think also like, like you said, you know, just normalizing, like a lot of behavior is, is like rooted in codependency and our culture kind of promotes it like in a way, especially for women. So 100%. And, and I am honored to like continue because the reality is just like anyone's journey, right? Like there are triggers that come up for me at times where I then have a new understanding of something and I work through it. And I think like, you know, and I feel like you can totally relate to this. Like, would we trust someone to help us? Like, you know, would you like go to a coach who is like, oh, I'm going to help you like a heal codependency, but has only like read about it in a book? Like, no, yeah, no, no. We want people that have experienced things. Like, would we go to a coach who is like the expert on like, you know, build your business, but they've never scaled a business? Like, yeah, well, that's, no. I mean, and I had, I had Claire, the heartbreak coach on the podcast last season. And I talked to her uh, on that episode about, I selected you as a coach, Claire, because you found a successful relationship. I would not have picked a, a personally, not to say that there are no good single dating coaches. There's a lot of great knowledge and background that is super important. But for me, I picked Claire because she had successfully moved through her process. Claire's coach coaching approach, you guys, if you don't remember that episode is like, very um, unique to Claire and it's very specific and it's like follow these steps to achieve desired result. And so because that's her structure, if that's the case and I'm following these very, very specific steps, I want to have at least see that you did that and you achieved the desired result that you're saying I'm going to achieve. <laughs> right. No, 100%. And like, you know, I've worked with Claire too and yeah. like that's what I, that's, I was so ready to commit to working with her because, um, because she had left a relationship that I every day was like, I don't know how I'm going to leave this relationship. Right. Yeah. Like it gave me faith that like, she did it. I can trust her that like, yeah. this is this, these are the things I need to do to, to leave this bad relationship. And I think that that's just, it. it's like, you know, I, I work with so many amazing women and I, so I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program and, um, it's evolving. Like for me, I think I'll always be evolving. I'm quite, I'm on the younger side of the coach realm. Um, Same. we're in our twenties. We're babies. <laughs> we are we're babies. And so there, I just think, you know, it'll evolve in time. Um, but I, I really love getting to support like women just working through these things and, and, you know, being like, Hey, I know, because like, I have lived this. And that's not to say that there won't be a time in my life where maybe like, whether it's with my parents or with people where my codependency has played out before, like comes up, but now I have the tools and the actual like action steps to take to like, Oh, I know what this is. I can recognize that I can work through it as opposed to where before it would just be like such unconscious, like like yeah just putting myself the on the... your pants yeah just living right, in and... that reactive emotional yeah. trauma like 
trauma brain versus like being more intentional with these tools that you learned to cope. And I think I see, you know, I, I feel like Claire, Claire's like, you know, 10, 12 old years older than I am. And I, I always tell her I want to be Claire when I grow up. Um, but I, yeah. I think there is something beautiful about like coming into this space as a coach and paying it forward for women at the beginning of their journey. And age isn't, you know, Claire always tells us age is neutral. It really is. And I, I really do think though, that there is something wonderful about women paying it forward for other women, women helping women heal. And, um, that is what you're doing. And that is what, you know, Claire does. And, and it's, it is a amazing community in a space to be in if you're not in a space like that. And I think if, if, you know, this episode is speaking to you today and you're like, holy shit, I might be codependent. I highly recommend checking out Alicia because, and, and Alicia has like, I mean, you know, we try to talk about like the spiritual, like woohoo of it, but if that's also something that like drives with you, like I, we were talking before we got on the call, like Alicia is getting, has training and is getting more training in human design, which is like, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like birth charting and like when, depending on when you were born and how the stars were aligning, um, that determines, you know, some work. Well, you can, I guess, explain it better than me, but it basically determines like how you need your, your life is going to go. It's like, it's like, uh, like your astrology, like your birth side. Yeah. It it really like, it shows based on like the quantum physics and your birth chart, like how you operate in the world, like, you know, what, what centers are open, what kind of how you communicate with yourself and the world around you. And a lot of us try to fit in these like societal norms and like, we find they don't work for us or we find we're like not getting any results. That's because we're trying to communicate in these ways that don't like literally don't work for who we are, you know, like that ties into like more of this spiritual work that I do with and I'm training to do right now with shamanism and just like so what is shamanism explain this to us you know it it's working with the elements and I use the word I really don't actually use the word shamanism a lot because as a white woman I want to be so sensitive to cultures and not to appropriate them and treat them with the utmost respect and I'm actually training with a a Peruvian tribe um the Kiros nation so so honored to do that work but um it it really is using the elements like the elementals earth water dirt um, plants using these to you know call upon them and use them for support as we navigate this human plane and like these lines of codependency these lines of certain cycles that have existed in the earth for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that like we perpetuate someone once explained it to me like this codependency is like this circle that's happening it's like this thing that exists and when I step out of codependency codependency still exists Mm -hmm. but I stepped out of it and so sometimes codependency will try to pull me back in but I have the tools now to stay out of it and so it's like that thing that like um the things that we can't see and explain like there's so many um realms and like layers of this human experience that like we can't perceive or we don't perceive because we're not tapping into them or we don't like we're not doing the you know exploration of this planet um to like do that and the western like 
you know, way. It doesn't really like allow for that very much. So it really is just in short, I guess, shamanism is like calling upon just ancient practices, ancient medicine, um, the earth and the water and all the sacred um, elements that support us here in this, in this human plane that are part of us that we are disconnected from in this time. So very cool. And I say cool because earlier in the episode, we were talking about like being the cool girl is being codependent and you have like re envisioned yourself from being the cool codependent girl to just a cool girl that does cool shit, like becoming a shaman like doing and, become, and doing human design and coaching and all this really like cool stuff. And you guys, Alicia is like just really cool. Like, and you can hear her voice. It's very smooth and soft and like inviting. And, and that is Alicia. And like, she perpetuates that energy. And I think it's such a beautiful thing from like a, from, I don't even know. It's like from cool girl to like the actual, like the coolest girl. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh. That's such a compliment. And you know, it's just like following what lights you up. That's like what I believe. Like, yeah, if it doesn't light you up, girl, why are you doing it? You know, like, yeah. And you know, the last point I'll make is that I believe so deeply that we are all connected through the energy, through our, where, when we were born, where we were born through the elements, through all of these things, they are interconnected. And I I love that your work and being codependent is all of, is literally like being enmeshed, not interconnected, but too connected. And I feel that a lot of codependents too can probably relate to whoever you're in a codependent relationship with right now, as you're listening to this, it does feel like a magnetic energetic pull that you cannot explain that does feel divine Mm -hmm. and I there I think there are two ways that I go with that and there are two ways that I explain this and I will do it quickly is that I think that we all are on a path that is meant to be and these men that we were in relationships with were our biggest teachers I said that earlier too And Mm -hmm. that moment that you felt like this is meant to be, I had that moment too. And I remember it so vividly. And I remember being like, I can't explain this to anybody, but I know so deeply that I have to follow this thread because this is like my life's purpose. And it was for both of us. It did become our life's purpose. Not in the way we thought, I didn't, I thought it meant he was my soulmate (laughs) and my husband, but it is so much bigger than that. And I think that we do owe it to ourselves to listen to our intuition, but you also owe it to yourself to stay true to who you authentically are and not abandoning yourself just to be the cool girl, just to be the girl that doesn't have needs or wants or desires or standards. Mm-hmm. And if you get nothing from today is that if you're really struggling with that, I have a girl for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that is Alicia. And I'm just, I am so grateful that you were here today and shared this story. I think so many of us that just can't seem to let some fucker go can relate to your story. 
And and I think you've done such a beautiful job articulating where that came from and how you healed from it and what you continue to work through and do. And I'm so proud that you are the opening episode on this day that Roe v. Wade is going to be, not actual Roe v. Wade is being voted on, but the states are going to be having all these really monumental decisions for women and um, I think it, it just, it's all perfect and it is all divine timing, I do believe. And I'm just so, so glad you were here today. Thank you for sharing such a lovely story with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I think, you know, you really just put that so beautifully and um, I'm honored to be on the show anytime, girl. Yes. This is so much fun. Yeah. I know. I feel like I we could have so many episodes in like this one episode. I'm like, oh my God, like there's so there's so much here to codependency. And I am so excited to continue to follow your journey and see what you do, you guys. I'm linking all Alicia's socials in the show notes. So definitely give her a follow on the gram. She's always posting like really nice reels that are just super inspiring and help you just kind of like think about your own uh, patterns and relationships and just your and how you show up in life. So I am so glad that you all were here with us today for this lovely second episode of the second season of Bitch, You Need to Hear This. There are more episodes and more women's stories to come that I am so excited to share with you guys and are going to be equally as inspiring and empowering as today. I feel super inspired. I don't know about you, but I just am like in a good mood and (laughs) and I love that. I haven't recorded an episode in a really long time, actually. So it feels good to be back on the mic. Um, Well, besides episode, like last week's episode, but like to be recording an episode with someone else, (laughs) not talking to myself. It's been a really long time. So, um, so grateful it was you to kick this amazing season off with you guys. I have so many exciting announcements and changes that are coming up for my business, for the podcast. And I really want you guys to get those updates as soon as you can. So make sure you're following B. You need to hear this on Instagram, um, on TikTok, and definitely stay updated with the pod because there are lots of really cool things coming and some really big things I haven't even announced yet. So I can't wait to share them with you. Thank you again for being here, Alicia. Thank you. It was so lovely. Until next week, this has been Bitch, You Need to Hear This.